0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hand Me Up Club, the sustainable fashion podcast. My name is Lindsay Ruter. I am your host, and I am so excited. I say this every week, but it's because I'm always excited every single week. I feel it sounds disingenuous, but I really mean it. Each week, I'm talking to super cool people, and I am so excited this week to be talking to Megan Hayward. She's the owner of the East Village Vintage Collective, and hi, Megan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming all the way out here to Long Island City from the East Village. My pleasure. It's a great change of scenery. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. You know, it's funny, people that don't live in New York City, I don't think they necessarily
1: realize how different it is from neighborhood to neighborhood. I know. And how you you really do feel like you went on like a little trip somewhere to like a different land every time you go to a different neighborhood. Exactly. It could even be like right up the road from your neighborhood. And it's, it's super different. And it's super different. Yeah. It's exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. I always tell Adam, my boyfriend, who's also the engineer of this podcast, how I want to do day dates to like cute Gardens or to Riverdale or to other parts of the city we live in. Right. <laughs> that just seems so different that they could be a little vacation.
1: I know. It's funny, right? It's like I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we live here, because there's so much to see and do that's so different. Like, you know, I, I always talk about like taking a walk. Sure, it's nice to take a walk if you live in like a quiet place. But like taking a walk somewhere like that might be feel longer because when you're here and you're out walking around, there's just so much to see everywhere, and it's just you know, it's, it's it, it, there's no other place like it. It's awesome.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so East Village Vintage Collective, also just you, mm. your story, your life. How do <laughs> how do we get here?
1: <laughs> how did we get here? Where did we start? Right. Um, Well, as far as East Village Vintage Collective goes, it started with, um, for me personally, with a love of vintage that I've had my whole life. My dad would take me to flea markets and do the whole like trash picking thing and all that as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of started out by being a little bit like, you know, maybe embarrassed and then quickly realized that like, I was getting kind of into it myself, especially as a teenager with like music influences and things like that. All of a sudden, it was like I love thrifting too. So it's something that I've just been passionate about since I was a kid, basically. Um, and you know, I always thought how awesome would it be to own a vintage store. I collected so much of it myself, and always the joke is like that I make is like I could have started a store um, with the stuff I had, and which is actually what ended up happening. I mean, I really when I opened the store, it was like. I didn't have to do all that much shopping because I'd been collecting for so long. Um, And that's after toning it down because I'm originally from Florida and moving from Florida to New York. I've been in New York for 15 years. So Um, anyways, I'm a collector of vintage. So I've always loved it. And um, I moved to New York thinking, ah, there's no way I could open up a vintage store in New York. It'll never happen. And went down the path of a different career, which was um, working in post-production sound for, um, many years and, uh, started to get kind of tired of New York going like, I don't know if this is for me. It's, you know, I'm struggling, this and that. And my boyfriend said, you know, maybe what you should be doing is something that you actually like, like it, you know, wow, may, what that an might idea. be a game changer. Maybe you'll like your environment a little bit more, you know, cause I love New York. So it was, I just kind of felt, you know, a little over it for a minute. Where can I move that will be different? And it's like, well, I came here with the same... You know, feeling of leaving Florida, and it's like usually that means there's something more to what's going on than just like let me escape this place. You know, um, so anyways, I had already before I met him, I had started selling some stuff online, and um, I had done that in the past because I basically fueled my my move, paid for my move to New York with selling my stuff on eBay, all the stuff I had collected. So. This is so
0: girl boss of so, you before girl boss I mean, was I, even a
1: thing. Yeah, it was before that, but. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It's the same type of situation. Yeah. And, um, but except I stopped selling when I moved to New York and had this job that just kind of, I fell into and happened to become kind of my career and, um, worked in doing the post-production sound for about 15 years and had started up my website, met my boyfriend. He was like, going back to what I said, he said, try something new, you know, do what you love instead of maybe you'll be happier. So I decided to um, kind of take it to the next level. I had started up a website with my vintage clothes on the website. And um, I I started selling at Artisan Fleas. Uh, So I would work at my job and then sell at Artisan Fleas on the weekend. And, you know, as time went on, I started kind of going, I I would rather have a storefront. And, you know, the prices, it gets pretty expensive to sell at at markets and especially ones that are like well-known and it was a great like Jumping off platform for selling in New York City. It's awesome that we have all these markets and opportunities mm-hmm. to be able to do that. But for me, it was getting a bit like grinding going to my regular job and then going to that, do that all weekend long. And if I wasn't going to be there, I would have to pay someone to cover it for me. You know, it just got a little crazy. So I started thinking, I'm like, I, I live in the East Village. There's all these empty storefronts all over the place, including in my own building. <laughs> and I'm thinking there's got to be a way to, to gather some of these other vintage sellers and start up a collective. If we do that, because uh, everybody at the market had the same complaints, like, oh, well, if I can't be here one day, like, I, it has to, I have to be open, but that means I have to pay someone. And then it becomes like, I can't afford it. And everybody, as all New Yorkers are, I'm sure you, you know, everyone's juggling a million different things. Yeah. So it's like everyone's like, well, I can't do this and do that. And it's hard. I decided to try to pull together this collective of people that would be, you know, could still work at their regular jobs, cover a couple of shifts a week, you know, and split the rent and have other people who can't even work in the store come in and, and sell their things to and pay a rent um, that's reasonable and where they can leave their things in the store, you know, more like an antique mall type environment versus and artisan fleas, it's kind of only on the weekend and this and that. So I tried to make it really affordable for everybody and then splitting it between all of us with shifts and rent made it more affordable. So that's kind of how it started. And the truth is I would have always liked to have done it myself, even though it started that way. But I too, you know, as I said, was working at my other job. So it was like, how how can I? How can I how can I make this plunge which it wasn't as much of a, of a plunge you know because I was able to kind of finagle doing it this way so I still worked at my other job when first getting started with the store and then and then quit and started doing freelance sound work and Stuff like that. So, um, and And then then eventually, (laughs) yeah, here we are. Eventually, like the people that that were involved at the beginning were kind of like, maybe I want to go do something else. I, you know, one's a teacher now and doesn't do vintage at all. You know, one lived kind of far away and was like, eh, I can't really do this. So everything just kind of weirdly fell into place and really something that I thought I could never do when I moved here and realized this would have been easier to do in Florida because rent here is insane and it's so hard to get a lease. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, wait, I can do this. So it kind of all kind of worked out and fell into place in an interesting way. And I was able to get the storefront in my building because I've known the landlord for a long time. Yeah. So it started out as, can we do a pop-up? Like, I'll clean everything out. It's been sitting vacant for so long. You don't have to do anything. We'll just be in there for a couple of months. And then when it was doing okay, it was like, oh, you mind if I stay and like sign a, a lease? So. I was able to work that out and not go through like, you know, giving up your left arm in order to get a commercial lease. I'm sure. (laughs) It's very hard.
0: Well, I'm glad that worked out. And now so many people, not only as consumers, but as people that are owning shops and owning these vintage brands they all have a place
1: that they can go right. to. Exactly, exactly. So that, that was kind of like the original idea is like how can we have an actual storefront that's in a in, you know, the East Village where I would like to be that can work for everybody to come in. So we've we've I don't have as many vintage sellers there. I do a lot of consignment now and I have a couple people that have been there since the beginning that actually rent space. It's always open if someone wants to come in and do consignment or would be interested in renting space. But I haven't really been like advertising that these days because it's just kind of like if someone wants to come and set up we'll work something out but um especially with opening a second store a year ago it's been it's kind of become more it's still a collective and it's still open to anybody but it's kind of become more me buying stuff for the store versus other people bringing in things so it's been great (laughs) it's been fun. (laughs) glad to hear that so the
0: second store this is the florida store Mm -hmm. yeah what's this one called
1: it's also East Village Vintage Collective, oh, okay. but it's um this is NYC and down there is Jack's it's in Jacksonville, Florida.
0: Okay. So, Still East Village Vintage, but I'm assuming it's different since it's Jacksonville, right? It's are very are different. vintage trends different from state to state or how does
1: that actually work? They are, and you know, it's it's really interesting cuz going being from Florida originally myself, but even in I mean Florida it's a little more spread out, but Florida's kind of similar to what we were saying about New York City where it's like Jacksonville versus Tampa, where I'm from, they're so different. You know, it's like, it's a big state. It's like Miami's totally different from Jacksonville. You know, everything's different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say the trends in Florida in general are different even from, you know, the different cities. But um, so going in there, going in there to open up a store, I knew that it was going to be different. I mean, the truth of the matter is like uh, what I always tell everybody is that like a lot of stuff that we wear here that like, people down there might look at as, like, a costume, (laughs) you know? It's, like, it's definitely, like, where the store is down there is a very artsy community, and there are a lot of people that are into fashion and things like that. But I even remember when I moved away from Tampa saying, I can't wait to to go to New York where I can wear whatever I want, you know? And I remember a friend going, why can't you do that here? And I was like, well, if I have to explain that, then I don't think you really understand. I should be able to do that anywhere. We all want to have that confidence, but it's... Mm -hmm. Especially when you're like a, you know, early 20 something person and you're finding yourself and all this stuff and you're like, you you know, there's still that as much as you want to be your own person, there's still that little bit that kind of wants to fit in. So it's hard to really like walking out in Tampa, Florida and wearing like some crazy like vintage over the top outfit. Mm-hmm. You're like, I got to be in the mood for that today. <laughs> I'm going to there's going to be questions, you know. <laughs> So, um, anyways, the, the point is that I think that it's a the fashion's a little more like subdued down there. It's just kind of a little bit different. And you do see it kind of go through, I think, waves. I mean, there's definitely something to be said. I can't remember the name of the book, but it's very interesting about like the the way fashion, maybe you know, um, the way that fashion moves along in like cycles and how it's like there, there's a like say you're wearing a certain type of shoe. Then And you're walking around in a city that's populated with, like, a certain amount of people. It takes – there's actual, like, mathematical equations to how long it takes to get to, like, a different city. It's really interesting. I mean, I don't know the book you're talking about, but that sounds really interesting.
0: And, I mean, data truly can do everything and predict right. anything, which is crazy it is crazy. but it's true it is
1: true so it's like you know you have those certain amount of people that are in a, a big city like as human beings we see something and we go that's cool and then maybe I will wear that and then the next person goes I like that thing that's cool you know that's you know as much as we're all unique and original in our own ways you're always inspired by the things that are around you and you know when you're in New York and you're seeing all these things that inspire you you're going to kind of pick up on it whether you realize it or not. And so then eventually it will make its way to these other cities once a certain people have picked up on it. So it is really interesting. But you do see that. Like it's like even just being open down there for the last year, stuff that was popular up here took a little bit longer to get Down there, and you can see it kind of going in waves. Although I will say, social media has definitely changed that. I was
0: going to say that because so many people in New York, they come from somewhere else. But now with social media, you still see all your friends and family back where you came from, and they still see you. And then you post your picture of your night out or going to this party or this event, and then all your friends from Florida or from Michigan, where I'm from, or wherever, see what you're wearing, and then, oh, you look so great. And then somewhere in their mind, next time they're shopping, they're like, oh, I remember. Right. I saw Lindsay in a pink coat like that that I loved, or I saw Megan in a red jumpsuit like that that I loved. And
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. I bet, like, I mean, this book came out really before social, especially before Instagram got really super popular. So I bet there's a whole new formula to that now. I'm sure. I mean, like – social media is probably the equivalent of what was before when that book was written, just seeing people on the street. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's definitely, it changed things. And, and I think that, that that's probably one of the reasons why besides the sustainability factor and the unique factor and all of that, well, I'm kind of talking about the unique factor, but I think that's part of why vintage has also become a little bit more popular in the mainstream too, is because you if you're wearing something vintage and you're posting a picture of yourself on Instagram and you're like a celebrity or whatever it's highly unlikely that someone else is going to be wearing that same thing yeah you know so it's kind of interesting in that way what it's interesting media but done. it also
0: makes it tough right because mm-hmm. let's say you're a celebrity and you wear a really cool vintage piece people can't go buy it so then, a fast fashion company knocks it this off. Is true. That's kind of the yes, the, this is true. the negative side of that. Whereas that's if true. it were maybe just like a high end designer, that's maybe not not necessarily sustainable, but it's accessible to a consumer, and right? So they can try and get it and that sort of thing. Whereas if it's just not available at all, then that I think leads to people just knocking it off and the people that are knocking things off very quickly
1: yeah that's true you're right i hadn't thought about it from that perspective and that does make sense to me i'm like and you're right because the truth is is that a lot of people who see somebody wearing something it's good for the vintage industry that people are buying it to wear on social media or the idea of like i want to
0: wear vintage or i want to wear something one of a kind the
1: fact of the matter is is that the, you know, most people in the world don't go, that's vintage. So I'm going to try to find something else vintage that I look unique in as well. They're probably more, where can I get that exact thing? And you're right. That does feed into that. There are people
0: that are trendsetters and then there are people that are fashionable. Right. Not the same thing. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's overlap. Right. But there are people that are saying, I want to wear vintage. I want this one-of-a-kind look. And then there's other people that say, that looks so good. That's so fashionable. I want to wear... That. i want to look exactly like yeah. that
1: yeah you're right hmm, hmm. interesting interesting hmm. but yeah i'll have to i'll have to find the name of that book and tell you and then I'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes I, 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 yeah yeah and because i'm curious too that maybe the person that wrote that book has done an update
0: new Alben edition have
1: changed. yeah <laughs> maybe they have a blog now and yeah. they're talking about it it could be you know but i i do think that that's become the new like trendsetter is probably social media and instagram it has i mean it definitely it has its like uh, you know really negative aspects and then but then there are some positive things you know too so positive for a small business that needs to advertise for free that's for sure but yeah you know that's one positive i mean it is quite a handful to try to keep You know, on social media to stay updated. That was one of the reasons I was late because I was literally walking down the street, being like, "I gotta tag do this one post before I get up there. Like, it's I have to do it now. Like, it's important. This is my
0: engagement hour. I have to do it." It's (laughs) just
1: like. Oh, it's a lot, but it's a, it's, it is a good tool for, especially, I mean, my business is, is me. It's a very small business. My, my boyfriend now works there full-time helping me out and has for the last like year or so, we kind of just made this decision of like, it's better for us both to do this together. And then especially with opening the store in Florida, it was like, we drive back and forth, we pick along the way, you know, stuff like that. So it's, that's been kind of the fun part of it. Owning a business is a lot of work, as I knew before going into it. But when you're doing something that you love like that, it's fun, and it's it's been fun to be able to travel back and forth to to Florida. So I'm
0: sure. Yeah. And so the things wa- you find. <laughs> I want to go back to what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. So you pick along the way. Mm-hmm. How are you finding the clothes? Because obviously, as you said, when you started, it was just these are my clothes that now mm-hmm. I'm selling, but. You're past that point now, right? And that's something I think about when I find a really good vintage store. I'm like, where did I even find this stuff? And I hear people ask that all the time, especially because in New York we have so many great vintage stores. And mm-hmm. then everyone's like, "Where do they find it all? And how are there so many great stores? Where is it all coming right. from?" And so, with you having two stores in two mm-hmm. very different markets. Where are you finding these clothes? How does a vintage store
1: even start once it's beyond just what's in your own closet? Right. That's a good question. And um, I think that, that it's, for me, I'm all going for affordable vintage. So I think where you find things it, it depends on what you're selling. Sure. you know. And uh, obviously, all, there's all different eras as well. I kind of do anything from the 1940s to the 1990s. The 2000s are creeping in there. They're trying to make their way in. We'll, we'll but see. But did
0: we have any really <laughs> yeah. great fashion no. in the 2000s? That's, That's why what's I'm hard.
1: Like, no, no. Like, what, what do we even do? So uh, for me personally, like growing up in Florida, it's like I'm used to finding everything for like really, really cheap. And when I first moved here, that was my whole thing. I was like, vintage is so expensive up here. Like, I'm going to go down, visit my family. I'll come back up with the vintage. I'll, I'll open up a vintage store. And then, like I said earlier, that just kind of – I was kind of like – eh, this is a little harder than I thought. I need to figure some things out first. But it's very picked over here. And especially these days, it's kind of picked over everywhere because so many people are selling online. So Mm -hmm. it's even a different... I mean, it used to be like nothing but gold. Like if you drove from New York City down to Florida, like if you stopped at thrift stores garage sales, you know, auctions, whatever along the way, you would find so much good stuff because everybody that lived in those areas, they didn't care or it might be that someone passed away and their kids are like, let's just get rid of this stuff. But it's really changed because people see the value in things a, but b They maybe used to see that, but didn't know what to do with it still. Now it's like, oh, I'll just put that on eBay or I'll sell it like, you know, I'll, I'll check the worth really quick and let me see, you know, so it's, it's caused more people to kind of sell stuff online rather than just donate it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is harder to find stuff. That was one of the reasons for me to open up the store down in Florida, in addition to seeing my family and being able to get out of New York sometimes and stuff was to try to hit up all those places because there's still a lot of gyms like kind of in between new york and oh, florida I'm sure but it took longer to find them <laughs> then you know it's been a lot of like this last year like okay this one was a doozy we won't go back to that one like making a little list of these are the places where we definitely have to stop and it's interesting too because it's like okay well if we stop like right outside of like we found one that's really cool that's like right outside of dc okay but that th- the stuff that they have there is more like If I'm looking for power suits, like, you know, vintage power suits, like vintage, you know, really cool vintage, like slacks and like kind of more basics because it's like all people that like got rid of their stuff that worked in DC, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see the stuff that you, in the different cities that kind of goes along with what that Mm -hmm. city is about or whatever. So it's been interesting. We've met a lot of interesting people like up and up and along the way and so that's mainly where I'm getting my stuff now, and a lot of consignment too. Like I've I have noticed that once you open a store versus selling online, a lot of people just end up calling you. Hey, we've got this stuff. Do you want it? You know, you have oh. a lot more people kind of coming to you. So you Cause you're more of a legitimate entity or uh, Yeah, d- it's all different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it is because you mean because we're more of a legitimate. They're entity.
0: like people are like, "Oh, that's a real store. That's a real brand. I know they're actually selling real items." Yeah, and not well... just someone in their kitchen with a bunch of stuff that the roommate guess. left behind. That you know? might,
1: yeah, that might be what it is, you know, and it's in, and, and on our end it's like, you know, you can, we kind of have to talk to like anybody that calls, but then a lot of the times it's just real trash. And then sometimes it's trash that's yeah. actually treasures, but it, yeah, that's kind of been, that's kind of changed things for me. And I think other, I know other vintage sellers and people that have stores in New York too, that, They'll just, you know, somebody will just be Googling and then calling around like, I've got this stuff. Do you want it? And and I always say like, like a lot of times people will reach out to me about designer stuff. And I, I say, you know, look, if you're wanting to just like get rid of it, like I'll get it from you because I'm going to turn around and sell it for like a really affordable price because I want people to walk into my store and be like, wow, I can't believe I got this really mm-hmm. affordable thing here. This is awesome. But if you want money for it, like I'll send you to some of the people that I know that do more of that kind of stuff and those those kinds of people even often come by for me as a wholesale and then go resell so I won't name names but um yeah there's other stores and they can do that and that's fine and it's you know it's it's, just not your MO yeah it's very interesting though like what I've talked about this uh, with a lot of people like how for me, I'm the type of person that if you came up to me and said, like, I like your shirt, I'd be like, $2. Like, I'm exactly you know? the same way. I'm like, yeah.
0: I got yeah. this for 6 bucks, Right.
1: Like, I'm really proud of that. I feel like there's a lot in between, too. But there's kind of two sides to the vintage market. It's like either people like us that are just like, you know, I'm excited. The thing Proud that makes of me the excited, deal. Proud yeah, of I got the this deal, Yeah, because I know what this is worth to me, even if it's just that I like it a lot. And then there's people that, like, you could take that same item and put this high price tag on it and that's when they think it's valuable they don't think it's valuable when it's they don't see the value in it when it's the low price you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that in new york i feel like you know even just from being at artisan fleas it's like you know some of the sellers there that had these beautiful things even they would come sometimes and buy things from me and resell it in the same market i've had that happen to me at the manhattan vintage show like that's so awkward and weird i'm to me i'm just like i don't care i sold it but okay but but it's just if you don't care i don't yeah i'm just like i'm happy to to have sold it to you go sell it for more I, if someone wants to pay that for it it's fine you know but I just I find it so interesting that that it could even be something that is sitting at my booth for a while but then if somebody takes it and puts it in their booth and marks it up there's just a different kind of person that would come up and say yeah I'll take it for that high price that wouldn't have even really looked at my booth it's very interesting. interesting yeah it's very interesting so I try to stick with affordable if people want to come in and buy to resell I'm all good for that so I think that there are sellers in New York that can come by lo- more locally and they don't look at it as being as picked over. But for me, it's like I'm looking for the cheap stuff. Like when I'm out traveling, it's like, you know, I'm going to the like buy the pound, like Goodwill buy the pound. and like Oh, there's
0: one of those right here in Long Island City. There is. Yeah, there's a Goodwill outlet. It's on Jackson Avenue. See, I didn't even know
1: that. Yeah. It goes to show. <laughs> <laughs> like my knowledge of it. No, but it, it feels like – you know, I feel like I just kind of gave up on... I've got a couple of places I go out to, New Jersey and stuff like that. Further out, like Long Island. But like, I haven't even been doing that lately just because, you know, I'm, I've am i been traveling back and forth to Florida for the last year, like once a month driving. So wow. that's my shopping time.
0: Got it. Don't oh. do it much here. <laughs> so when I go back to what you were saying, sometimes you get sent some things that are real duds mm-hmm. to look at for your store. How How do you know it's a dud? How do you know it's not good vintage because I think a lot of people are like if it's old it's vintage
1: not necessarily the case yeah not necessarily the case and I think that that it all depends on what like I've been pretty lucky so far since opening my business just kind of picking out things that I like and it has kind of worked out for me for me the duds are more like I because I sell like decor and tchotchkes and things like that too and it's more like on that side of things it's like rusty old cans it's like that might be worth money and it's interesting in a certain market but it's not not for me and it's hard sometimes even with clothes as well where somebody comes in with some clothes and maybe they have a sentimental value but it's just like I don't know I guess it's it's hard to say what what's garbage because really it can all be looked at that way somebody might think what I like is garbage but I just feel like you know, real true vintage for me that I like is like interesting clothes with cool patterns, you know, stuff that you can tell was well made. But I think sometimes when it's hard when someone comes to you with something that they are really excited about, like I'm I'm too nice. Like I've sometimes taken things that I'm like, why did I do that? Like I can't afford to buy that from that person. But like they're so they're, – they're attached to it or, you know, they're so – Um, they think it's so great that you're just kind of like, okay, sure. Like I'll give you a couple bucks for it. You know, and then I'm like, end up sitting on the stuff for a little bit, for a little while. But I think everyone has their own kind of taste obviously, but I'm like anything, anything that's like crazy over the top, like eighties patterns and, um, really cool seventies stuff and like late eighties, early nineties, I get like, I can't say no to it, but, (laughs) but I have a hard time saying no to everything. That's, that's the truth. So I shouldn't be saying that. It's like, bring Megan your your trash. She'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> She's a sucker. <laughs> no,
0: I think that's good. I think so often, especially now, people are turning to things, like we said earlier, where you want something that no one else is going to have. So you turn to like, what does my mom have in her closet? What does my grandma have? Right. And it's like, how do I know beyond just me wearing this if this is like vintage or just Old, which I'm doing air quotes and I realize no one listening can, <laughs> can see that but it's just good to know that it's as you would expect it's sort of in the eye
1: of the beholder but that's what I think I mean I think that always like if you have a an item you know I know I have certain vintage items like some jewelry for my grandmother and like things like that that are really really meaningful to me in addition to the fact that I just I think they're cool but yeah, I think it that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Like, and I mean, I think for for me, I'm always happy to take stuff from somebody even if they're just donating it because I just see so many people just throwing the stuff away. Yeah. So I'm throw like, it away. <laughs> leave it leave it leave it with me. I'll either try to sell it or I'll give it to someone else or I'll go donate it, you know. Mm-hmm. So is that what you do with the things that you just have for like a really long time and aren't selling? I do. Yeah. I'll like, I think in a couple of weeks I'm going to have like a garage sale, like at the, at the store and I'll try to just offload stuff. But I've never really gotten to the point where I've had stuff for so long that I've had to do that. But lately, like some of the stuff that doesn't sell in New York, I'll take down to to Jacksonville and it will sell there. Or if it doesn't at that point, I'm like, okay, time to just like last time I was there, I did like a little donation run. Um, and, you know, we we try to hook up, like, we're hooking up with this charity down there called the Quigley House that um, donates items to victims of domestic violence. So, like, I'm try- I've been trying to, like, look at not just dropping it off at, like, some random Salvation Army or whatever, like, really trying to go, okay, who would need these things, mm-hmm. you know, and try to be more specific about where I'm taking it. So, since I have a car, which... I never had a New York until opening the store, and I was like, I I could buy a cheap car rather than paying for whatever. Flights back and forth, yeah. yeah, Or a zip car or whatever was going Mm -hmm. on at the time. Um, When I got the car, it's easy for me to just like kind of load it up and then donate it at some point, which I think is, it's interesting in New York because it's so, such that's a luxury that a lot of people don't have. And so they, everybody does just, I mean, the amount of stuff I see just thrown out on the street is crazy. I mean, it is
0: crazy, but there's, a whole subculture of people that just do trash picking in New York
1: City. Yeah. Because so
0: many wild things get thrown I away. I know.
1: I know. And I think that like, I mean, when I first moved here, I'd be like, wow. Like I remember I, I lived in Brooklyn at one point and I had, I found this clock that was like a or the sidewalk that was like um a, bowl, a bowling clock. And it, I just, it was like the coolest thing. And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And I used to find stuff like that. And then all of a sudden it was like bed bugs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the painting like, above you, that's from the trash. <laughs> oh, it's so
1: cool. I love it. That's the thing. It's like, you can still get nice, clean things off the street. It's, you know, it's not as scary as everybody likes to make it out sound to be. I don't but... really deal with fabric things. Right.
0: That's yeah. that's where I draw the line. I yeah. love finding, you know, a painting. Or a stool or something like that. Yeah. But I would never take,
1: like, pillows. I know. (laughs) I know. It's just a little, like, what you have to deal with if, you you know, you're taking a big, big chance. And for me personally, like, I can't do that with the store. Like, that would be like my worst nightmare yeah so i have to be Ooh. very careful and i don't know why i'm talking about this i shouldn't have even brought it up <laughs>
0: <laughs> no <laughs> well, i mean it's great because you're yeah. we saying like and i would never do that with right. the store <laughs> right. no one has to worry <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so great so i want to talk to you a little bit we were talking a little before we started recording but the future of vintage which mm. sounds funny the future of the past clothes we have right now as we were saying old vintage now gets reproduced Mm -hmm. in fast fashion now when people want to copy a look they see that they like and it doesn't really exist and that's the clothes we have of today but those clothes aren't really made to last right and so 10 years 15 20 years from now the vintage that we have for this time period is going to be kind of non-existent possibly in a way i don't even know what to think like
1: what is the vintage industry even going to be like Right. It is very interesting because like when you look back at the vintage that we're looking at now, what mm-hmm. is vintage? Like even up to, to the 90s, it's just, it It feels like, fa- I don't I, I don't know enough about the history of fast fashion and I should, but it feels like that didn't really fully kick in 100% like to the extreme that it is now until like oh, the absolutely. 2000s really, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, w- so what we have now that we're considering vintage, it, it really is vintage. The majority of it was made better. So that'll last us for a while. But already you're noticing like I'm, you know, that there's there's not as much of it out there just because there just isn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what what will it be because the, you see the stuff that's made now and the materials are so crappy whereas if you go back to even whatever was considered low end, you know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't fast fashion but there was like low lo- cheaper clothes that you would mm-hmm. you would buy even that stuff was made with more quality ingredients at the time. So it, it that's still around too. You know, right. like I even think about when some of it's like, uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts where you were talking about like materials and stuff and like what's eco-friendly, like material-wise. Oh, okay. And I found that very interesting. But when I think about like uh, materials that stuff was made of that was cheap, it's like polyester. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there was fancy stuff made of polyester too. But when I think back about like cheap, what would be maybe be considered along the lines of fast fashion, which you just think of as being kind of more, I do, being more like cheaply made stuff. It was still materials that were, that are like, probably like never going to die, like in a bad way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, like it's, it's stuff that's, you know, not very eco-friendly and, and things like that. But it's going to be here for a long time. So it is – at least the positive is that it is clothes that can be reworn, you uh-huh. know, for a very long time. But that's not the case now. So what is the history of vintage is, is a question that it's actually something that I, like, I feel like I don't know what the answer is. Because I, I always think – I so positively about, you know, when I got into vintage, it wasn't because of anything to do with the environment. Like, I'm just going to be totally honest. But then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, whoa, this is actually has, – has that cool aspect to it too, you know? And then here we are, you know, in 2020, and it's like so much more focus has been put on the environment, which is amazing. So you can – I actually feel like, oh, and I'm doing something that I can feel good about myself that's actually good for the environment as well. But then with you posing that question, it's just like, oh, yeah, actually – you know, I've always looked at my business as, wow, I actually fell into this business that's actually really positive and is going to do nothing but grow. But how is it going to grow if there's the no more clothes? The interest is going to grow. Yeah. yeah,
0: but then, like, it's like, what happens with all the clothes? Like, right? is the pool going to dry up? What's going right. to happen?
1: Because, there, of course, there are sustainable clothes these days being made and more stuff made with better fabrics that, that will probably last for a long time. But... That's my point. Is is going back to like the '70s and polyester. You know, it, everything was kind of being made that way at that time. And now it's like there's going to be so much less of it even being made. That yeah, where does where does that leave us? There's not like is it going to become even more of like a hot commodity? Like are we going to be living in this age a vintage world? So, 2020 yeah. dress? Right, <laughs> rare. Right, exactly. It's like you know, there's only one. You know, right. it's like it is interesting to think about it that way. Cause I mean, I even get things, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't usually deal with stuff this old, but like I'll get stuff sometimes from the twenties and the thirties. Yeah. It's, it's ripped. It's falling apart. Some beads are falling off or whatever, but it's, I, it's the fact that I can still hold that in my hand and it was made that long ago. And it's not just like, you know, disintegrated is like pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. Now it's crazy thing. The twenties were, 100 years ago Uh, i know and it's still
1: here it's crazy i know that's so wild yeah so i don't know what what the future of of vintage holds i mean hey let's hope that like some laws get made or you know some things change where you know garments have to be made in a different way and then it'll we'll have a resurgence of things that'll last for a while you know that that's the goal that's
0: the that's the hope Mm -hmm. so clothes that'll last a while let's talk like someone just getting into vintage Mm. let's say my mom gave me an old dress she used to wear in college or my grandma gave me a sweater and these are my first vintage items how do I make those last or how do I take care of vintage is it different from my regular
1: clothes I think I think just like people should take better care of their clothes in general (laughs) you know I think that it's uh, you know easy to just like I'm just going to wash this. I'm just going to wash this, you know, rather than hand washing it or whatever. And, you know, so I think people should take better care of their clothes in general. But I think as far as like wearing it, it's like all about kind of taking those vintage pieces and mixing them in with whatever you feel comfortable with in your style. I think sometimes people are afraid to wear vintage because they feel like it looks too vintage. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, like, it's really, you can kind of mix vintage pieces with modern pieces. I think, too, that, like, say you actually get, like, a grandma sweater from your grandma. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It doesn't have to look grandma. Like, you can mix it with other things and have it look more modern. Or or you can go for the grandma look, like you do you. Like, yeah. whatever, whatever works. I think that wearing vintage is often what people have, have a hard time with in addition to taking care of it. And I think that it's that it's all about, to me, about kind of finding whatever era works best for your body type and, like, really kind of trying to find what you feel comfortable in. I mean, you, it's really interesting when you look back at, like, eras of vintage because – Let's face it, like a lot of people, the body type that was that went along with that fashion trend at the time, it wasn't even necessarily like a natural body type, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you go back to like the 1950s and people were wearing like corsets and stuff to get themselves in those dresses. That's why... You put that on now, and you're like, "Why doesn't this fit me?" And it's like because your waist isn't this tiny and your bust isn't this big, you know. But
0: it also is kind of interesting, just to that even very specifically. Trends totally repeat
1: because right. we're not
0: wearing corsets, but people are wearing Kim Kardashian shapewear.
1: This is true. You yes, so that's a good point. That is a good point. Yes, same <laughs> same idea. Some, you'll find a way to fit into it, right? It's <laughs> the point. But yeah, but I think that you know, it's. I think that there are there are people that fit are, that are all the body types of like the previous trends you know mm-hmm. it's it's like I might want to wear something that's from you know a certain era but it might not necessarily like fit exactly with my body type and then I might be like wow like I mean I remember at one point being like wow 70s jeans really fit me well like 80s jeans kind of don't and I knew that because I was a child in the 80s <laughs> like, <laughs> they didn't fit me then and they don't fit me now um but like the you know I feel like it's kind of cool when you can if you're getting into vintage and you find that era that kind of works for you because I think that one of the things about shopping vintage is it's it makes you feel so much more comfortable when you find something that you can kind of hone in on Mm -hmm. you know like it feels I could see why it would feel very you know I like to pick through everything and I've always enjoyed that but I can see where certain people wouldn't be that way and it would be like a lot more comforting to be like I know like I got this sweater from my grandma and now I know I like like how these things fit on me or my mom gave me these earrings and I I love them like I want to look for that style now when I'm out and about and I feel like when you get that going and you start like honing in on that everything else feels like quite a bit less overwhelming. I don't
0: know. No, I think, that's, I think that's really true. And I have thought of that just as a kid growing up in the era of reality TV and mm-hmm. say yes to the dress, what not to wear, that sort of thing, and seeing people really discovering personal style. and right. I learned even as a kid, just like, oh... Women that are apple shaped look really good in like a belted empire waist forty style dress like that really suits that body type. I don't have that body type, but I was learning like, oh, that's the kind of stuff that looks good on that body style. And then, oh, if people are like kind of more stick figurey, thin, lithe bodies, they look really good in slip dresses. And that's not as great of a look for me, where I'm a little bustier and it's not going to look the same way. And you sort of learn like, oh, okay, that works for that kind of person. I
1: think it's hard sometimes when you, you go, and I think that's one of the kind of the cool things about vintage shopping vintage versus following like exactly what's on trend in the current moment. Mm -hmm. I think you can find those vintage pieces and have them go along with whatever is on trend, if that's what you're looking to do. But I also think that you can find more things that might be better for you, for your body type. Yeah, so that's you know, not the
0: trend of clothes being made now. Right, right.
1: Where can you look? <laughs> right, right. Because, I mean, despite the difference in sizes, like, you know, if you were to go into a, a shop that sells new clothes, despite the the difference in sizes, it doesn't mean it's going to fit you the right way because it's still catering towards a certain body type. I mean, that's just how fashion goes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you might see this shirt at a, a store that you really like, but it's – and you, you go in wanting it to look – you know, a certain way on you, and then you get sad when it doesn't, and it's kind of like, well, that's it's nothing. That is me every you know? time
0: I wear something blush color. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's me with yellow. <laughs> every time, because
0: especially with millennial pink, there's so many mm-hmm. light blush pink things, mm-hmm. and I always love them, and I always want them to look so good, and then I am so pale, and it
1: always looks so bad. I, I'm the, I'm pale too, so I feel you on that. Yeah, yellow is that way for me, where it's like I put it on, and I'm like now I'm just a yellow person like everything looked like my skin tone is too has too much I don't know it's yeah I want I really want to wear yellow and it just doesn't work for me so I think that's another good thing too. actually to bring up the point about color is that that's a, a good way to help you with vintage shopping as well if you decide like you know what I really like myself in purple going into a vintage store and trying to search for purple things could help you shop more easily as well cuz i do i do think that it is it's getting less and less so because of again i think social media to a degree but for people to go out and like shop vintage and put looks together i think it's hard we i do i started doing this uh, video uh, series a while back at my store called vintage fashion advice you're welcome and that Great. was kind of the start of it like the point of it was to it's kind of gone off on like some different directions because we're just we just have fun with it but the start the point of the start of it was to be like having f- friends and other people come in and say like you know I'm on the shorter side like every time I put on this t- style of jeans I, that's what I want to fit me but it doesn't look right can you help me you know that kind of a thing so that's that was sort of the whole point in, in starting it now we do things like remake the movie mannequin like it's just it's gotten you know, great <laughs> it's all fun but it's gotten a little you know, le- le- we're trying to actually right now get kind of back to the um, styling. We actually just had somebody come in the other day saying, "I'm looking for a power suit, something that I can wear at night, and then something that I can wear here." Um, like, I know the exactly so, yeah. the thing for you. Like, I bought it just outside it. of Washington. Yeah, DC. yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's it, that's been that's been really fun, and I think that one of the things I I, I kind of started it just to do it for fun, but then I really would see you know even friends that have been to my store a million times, come in and do these videos and be like, I want these things, you know, and and actually get get the clothes that we styled them in um, because they felt good in them. So it's like, OK, well, that was a win win. Like I, you know, kind of was just doing it for fun. But it really is. It is hard. Like and if you're not I mean, I love shopping, but it's like if you're not into shopping, it can get you can get defeated so quickly, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it is nice to have somebody to kind of help you get started on that even if it's just like look for stuff in the from the 1980s like that will fit you well you know Mm
0: -hmm. anyways no I think that's a really good point because I'm the same way I love to shop and Mm -hmm. I love to style people I do it for my friends I do it for my boyfriend and I will say things especially with the women like oh you should go if we're at a store go look for these kind of things you're gonna look really good in a crop jean or you're going to look really good in a crew neck sweater stay away from the hoodies or you're going to look really good in this style dress go look for that or look for things that are purple or look for things Mm -hmm. that are orange that's Mm -hmm. your color right and
1: but (laughs) people don't always know I know and the the thing is too is that that takes a certain level of confidence as well like I really think even when I first opened the store I had a hard time sometimes saying to somebody like trust me this is going to look good good on you and I I never wanted anyone to feel like I was, like, forcing wait, nicer. them. nicer. I was like, just yeah. do it. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I don't want to offend you. Um, no, and I, I think that I've worked at, at my friend owned a boutique in Tampa where I'm from and uh, that I used to work at. And she was just like, she'd be like, to me, you know, She and I worked there for some time, So I, it, I would always end up leaving with all these clothes. And I'm like, uh, this doesn't make sense. I'm supposed <laughs> to be making money here. But she was so good about being like, you need to put this on. Like And I'd be like, I, I don't think that that will look good on me. Do you need to put this on? And then I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, actually, this does work. Who knew? Now I know that I fit into that style of pants or whatever it would be. But a- after having this door for a little while, my, my confidence level on that's gotten a little bit better. Like I'm a little bit more like, no, no, trust me. Or if they're like, no, I'm going to try it on anyways, okay. And then I'm like, I told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You look so good. Go for it. Waste your time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it's, it, it, I love styling too, and I think it's really fun. But I think that that's a talent with, within itself as well, to be able to look at others and, and say, try this on. And especially with vintage, I think you do have to really get to know the eras and how they fit on people. So
0: Absolutely. All right, so we're getting towards the end of our okay. episode. But is there anything else that you want to talk about? Shout out about East Village Vintage Collective about yourself, also just where can people find you?
1: Yes, we are, um, East Village Vintage Collective is in the East Village, more Alphabet City area on 12th Street between Avenue A and Avenue B, and uh, Jacksonville stores in, in, in an area called Murray Hill. Um, um, not, not to be, not to to be confused, confused with, with New Murray York. Yeah, I've made it extra confusing for everybody. <laughs> with my names of my stores, sometimes people down there are going, East Village, I just talked to somebody the last time I was down there. I said, yeah, it's because it started in New York and then now it's here. It's a, you know, anyways. So yeah, we're in the East village on 12th between a and B. I put out new stuff at least once a week, like a ton of new stuff. So I'm always trying to like rotate. We made a um, East village vintage map uh, a while back. The way I feel about it, like I, I would love for more people to come to the East village. When I um, first came to the East village, that was another part of me starting to love vintage. I, I used to go to a store called Love Saves the Day that was in the movie Desperately Seeking Susan, which is one of the movies that made me want to move here. Like, so uh, I good fashion movie. (laughs) uh, uh, It is a good fashion movie. I know they actually remake that pyramid jacket that in that from that movie. Then they sell it on eBay. Just, just so you know, I, I would love to see more people come out just to make the East Village like a destination for vintage shops because I think there was a lull for a little while. A lot of places couldn't afford the rent anymore and left then there's been a lot of new vintage shops coming in lately and um, we always keep the map updated and we have it in the store and and we encourage people to come out and come around and shop and check out the east village it's just a fun neighborhood in general good place for a day date (laughs) it
0: is absolutely and so that's where we can find you in real life. Where can we find you online?
1: Online at um, eastvillagevintagecollective.com. And we do put uh, new items, like 20 or so new items on the website every week as well. So um, we do have online shopping and we ship to everywhere. So yeah, you can find us online, eastvillagevintagecollective.com. On Instagram, evvintagecollective. And you just add Jack's at the end if you want to look at that store. Uh, yeah.
0: Sweet. So Mm -hmm. every episode ends with a hand-me-up because, you know, this is the hand-me-up club, Uh uh, which is, you know, a positive word of advice, pro tip, thing you just want to pass on to our listeners. Do you have a hand-me-up to send and share with the listeners of the hand-me-up club?
1: Well, I think just don't be afraid to wear what makes you feel good. Like you don't have to follow trends all the time. You might be a trend setter, especially if you live in New York. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> absolutely so everybody
1: wear vintage
0: yeah and the vintage that works for you exactly the vintage if you look works great for you. in the 80s you wear the 80s you, you look good 80s. in the 40s you wear the 40s yeah you're gonna
1: look good in it you may not realize that until you put it on you don't have to follow a trend just be yourself
0: absolutely yeah. i love that all right so everyone thank you so much for listening this has been another episode of the hand me up club as always you can find us online at www.com hammyup.club that's where the show notes and all the links to everything we talked about will be on instagram at hammy up club on facebook the hammy up club and i'm Lindsay ruter and i will talk to you next week the hammy club is hosted by Lindsay ruter recorded and engineered by adam zucker and edited by caitlin correa at cc media thanks for listening